I talk loud, so I don't even know if I need a mic. It, it is so good to be with you, brothers and sisters, um, here in South Florida. So many of you, so many of you uh, are part of our journey. Uh, we just love you dearly. Uh, we, I mean, we have known you for more than half our lives, so many of you. And so to be with you and to see the Lord's faithfulness in this body, to see his faithfulness modeled in your own lives uh, is, is a joy, uh, and, it's, and it's a privilege. Uh, and so thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for the opportunity even to share what the Lord is doing in Ireland. Uh, but mostly, uh, mostly, really, we're just going to look into the Word together uh, this evening, uh, as that's where most, or all, really, true encouragement comes from. But I do, I do want to introduce ourselves to, to those of you that don't know us. So we're the Keatings. My name is Steve. My wife is Valerie. Uh, our oldest is Shane, and then Aisley, and Ellie Jane, and then you just heard Callahan <laughs> on his way out. Uh, and so we have been in Ireland for four, oh, four years this autumn, uh, and uh, we, long-time residents of Florida, uh, was teaching in Tallahassee for many years, and the Lord just gently and slowly called us to international missions. Uh, we moved our family to Kentucky uh, just for some training, uh, and then the Lord brought us to Ireland in 2014. That's where Callahan was born in 2015, uh, and so very much, uh, particularly for our younger two, that's all they know uh, is Ireland. Uh, and so the Lord is is so faithful, and in this journey that we have been on, not really just the last four years, because if we're, if we're really honest with each other, uh, international missions or 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 or, or, or any kind of uh, full time ministry. Um, is is wonderful, but the Lord is faithful in every aspect of life, uh, whether it be your work, your school. Uh, he shows himself faithful uh, time in and time out. And so uh, we're very grateful to the Lord for the journey that he's brought us on. Uh, and right now we're in Ireland, and uh, and that's where he has called us, and we're, and we're grateful. Let me just tell you a little bit of where we live. We live in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, so Ireland is an island off the coast of Great Britain. Uh, there are two countries on that, on that island, uh, which most people are not fully aware of. Uh, and so you've got the Republic of Ireland there, and then this little bit is Northern Ireland, which is part of the United Kingdom. And so there's two different countries there on uh, the island. Uh, we are in the Republic, which is an independent country from Northern Ireland and um, the rest of the U.K., that's where we are on the globe. Uh, this is where we are um, on the island, which is in Cork. So that's a city as well as a county. And so there's County Cork and the city of Cork. And if we zoom in a little closer, we're in that little spit bit right there. That's where we live. It's Douglas, which is just a little suburb of Cork. And so I, I do want to say a little bit about um, kind of uh, the mission we're with and just the, the work that we're doing in Ireland. Uh, it's a little bit of an odd name, Surge. Uh, it's basically uh, an organization that just helps facilitate churches to send, just like CMML would um, for folks that you're familiar with. So our church there in Kentucky, Emmanuel Baptist Church, are the ones that sent us, commissioned us to the field, uh, and, and Surge uh, is just the facilitator of that. 
But uh, there is a DNA, as there is in most organizations, and so the word surge is a verb. So most of you have a, have a surged garment on right now. Uh, it's a sewing term, and if you pull up the edge and you, and you see where there's a, an, a frayed edge, uh, the word surge means to, uh, to join together rough edges to form a smooth seam. Uh, and so the idea there is that's what the gospel does. So we ha- have frayed lives, we're messy people, the world is a messy place, uh, and it is only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that can smooth those edges. Uh, sometimes it happens quickly when you are converted and come to Christ, and sometimes it might not happen till glory. Uh, but the entire time he is transforming us into the image of his son. Uh, but... It's messy, it's frayed, and there's grace there at the fray, and so that's just a little bit of, of the, the meaning of, of the, the, the uh, organization's name that we're a part of the work. If, um, if someone could grab me a glass of water, I'm already parched, thanks Jamel, Jamel's got it, um, and that's going to be a problem since I, you know, I'm with you for the next hour and a half, is that right? I can talk. <laughs> Gospel witness, of course, that's the main work. You know, so Ireland is the least evangelized English-speaking country in the world. Uh, so it's about 0.5% evangelical Christians. So they would hold to the doctrines of salvation. And when you think about the term evangelical, would hold, hold to the truth of the Word of God. Thank you, brother. Uh, that is about half a percent. Uh, so one uh, person in, 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 in 200 people um, might claim um, faith, uh, a true saving faith. And so there's much need uh, for the gospel. Uh, it's a country that is pri- primarily, historically, Roman Catholic, uh, but very much moving in a secular direction. Uh, in fact, just uh, three years ago, it was the first country in the world to uh, vote by popular vote um, the legalization of same-sex marriage. Uh, in less than a month, there is a vote to legalize abortion by popular vote. Uh, so it's actually, abortion is illegal right now in Ireland, praise God. Uh, but there is a vote coming up on the 25th of May uh, to repeal that bit of the Constitution uh, that actually protects the unborn. Uh, so there's very much a move towards secularization. Um, so most people would be culturally Roman Catholic, but um, they may you know, go to Mass if um, for um, Christmas or Easter, if that. Uh, or they just use the functions of the church for marriage, uh, marriages and funerals and whatnot. So there, there's a great need for gospel witness in Ireland, and so that's the main reason we're there. Um, that uh, Part of that, though, is to, to train and disciple the believers that are there, the Irish believers. Uh, so most of our, my work is really with leaders and emerging leaders, uh, of just pouring the gospel into them, uh, to see them pour the gospel into the Irish church. Uh, the group there of believers. When I use the word church, I mean universal church. Uh, and then university students. We, we do have a, a small group that meets in our home. Uh, of uh, it's, it's the small group from the, from the church we're a part of, Douglas Baptist Church, uh, that meet in our home, and we just have an opportunity every week to, to look into the word together and encourage them. Uh, and, and Lord willing, we'll see emerging leaders, you know, who are faithful, who want, who love the local church, uh, who want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, all their days and in, in, in whatever capacity that that looks like for them. So a lot of discipleship. We want to see the Irish believers thrive. Uh, the Irish are going to reach the Irish far better than we ever will. 
Uh, and so we want to pour into the indigenous believers. Uh, and then uh, the, the work is very much facilitative. Um, and so uh, there is this truth that the scripture brings out that the gospel, the good news of Christ, is what fuels mission. Uh, it is what uh, propels us outward. I love because I've first been loved. Um, the more I believe that, uh, the more I really wrestle with those things, I work out my salvation with fear and trembling, uh, the more I'm going to love people uh, because I see this great forgiveness that I have in Christ. And so it's going to dis- fuel my love for Christ, which is going to fuel my love for other people. Uh, so the facilitative work that we're, that we're doing there is we pouring, pouring into these ministry leaders with the real true hope and expectation that as the gospel is poured into them and as they see more and more and more their identity in Christ, that will propel them outward uh, towards new works around the island. And both, you know, of course, in their communities, our own community, um, but, but, but then even as we think across the whole island, just what would it look like for the Spirit of God to just have an outpouring of his grace um, to, to see just thousands come to Christ? But, of course, it starts with the gospel. Uh, It starts with the Lord Jesus himself and his word uh, and the preached word. Uh, So that's a a bit about the work. Uh, I could say so much more. (laughs) Uh, But uh, are there any questions about that? Uh, I'm going to have a little bit of interactive time. So like I told you, I was a teacher for years and years and years. So it's hard for me just to talk at you. I'd like to talk with you a bit. Um, So we'll have an interactive time. But uh, just questions on the work. that's that's there or, or curiosities. I, I don't have all the answers. I guarantee it. I yeah, Malcolm. Okay, so what what do you find is the reception to the gospel? You, you mentioned the cultural Catholicism. I mean, is the same like it is here? You know, go away. I'm a Catholic. That kind of thing. Yeah. So the the challenge is right. There's a lot of similar vocabulary when you think about the Catholic Church. Um, and so you've got uh, the word justification, you've got redemption, uh, you have mission, uh, you have grace, uh, but they define those words often differently, you know, if you, if you look at it. And so it is very challenging, you know, to speak the gospel, the true gospel uh, of who Christ is and what he's done and the freedom of that. Uh, to someone who thinks that you're speaking with the same words. Um, so there's that side. Those would be maybe the practicing, more orthodox Catholics. But then most people are just very jaded with Christianity as a whole because the the church, the Roman Catholic Church, has um, just been putting rules and rules and rules and regulations on them their whole lives. And so they're very disgruntled. And so they really don't want anything to do with... Uh, the institution, they'll, they'll, see, they'll see it as an institution. So you're just breaking down those walls all the time. Um, and that happens, right, just like any walls are broken down through the truth of the word and a loving witness. Uh, but it takes a long time. Uh, and one of the, uh, the prayer requests I was just talking to Brian um, about was, is that we just got new visa, visa regulations on, uh, on Monday, just this two days ago. And one of the, the new regulations for anyone coming in and doing mission work uh, limits their time to, to six years maximum unless they pursue citizenship. Uh, but six years in Ireland, you're just getting started because relationally, it's just a slow, slow burn. 
And so you just pray. That's the point of prayer. Uh, that you, you wouldn't think Ireland and then the UK, there's, there's, there's visa struggles in the UK with, with missionary visas. You wouldn't typically think those two countries would have challenges for visas for missionaries. Uh, but this is the world we live in. And so um, that, those are just points of prayer. Yeah, so great question. Yeah, so being just a half percent evangelical, I guess, for lack of a better term, the conversion rate wouldn't, wouldn't be very high, right? For, no. I mean, you said it's a slow work, so you, similar to here, you try to get, you do your best to get the gospel out, and people are happy with their religion, that kind of thing. Yeah, or just happy with their non-religion. Um, and so, just just like here, yeah, you know, and you see you see the states particularly moving moving fast towards secularization. I think Ireland is asking, trying to catch up. I mean, there's this real sense of they feel like they're behind the times, because you know the Roman Catholic Church has been. I mean, it's a it's a organization, is what it is, right? Uh, that teaches a false gospel. But it has at least put morals in place uh, for for better or for worse. I mean, I think, again, with the abortion issue, it's better, you know, in that sense. That's, that would be something the Catholic Church is against, which is why that's a part there. Uh, but they're, they want to be done with that. And so they want to catch up with the rest of Europe. They They really feel like they're behind the times and lots of things. And so when you start talking to them about truth, that's that's old, you know. That's antiquated. Like well, that's that's not the direction we want to be going in. We want to be going in this other direction. So it's very challenging. And and the workers there, it's very slow. It's just slow. Now the Lord has done amazing things in the last thirty years, from what we've been told and and what we see. And so you have this ex- really uh, just an explosion of of the body of Christ um, by Irish standards, at least in the last thirty years. Uh, where there would be very few believers 30, 40 years ago. And now, you you know, there's multiple times where I'll hear of a meeting that I never heard existed, you know, um, in this small town or this place. And so it's very encouraging that, that the gospel is moving forward, but there's also so much work to be done. Uh, and so we do covet your prayers. Uh, the visa challenges, we would love more workers. Um, uh, and really just boldness in sharing sharing a faith that with with very private, it's a very private culture. They don't want to talk about those things, what they believe. Those are very private matters, uh, and so it's, we want boldness as we share with people that often just don't want to hear. You know, it's hard. It's slow. Uh, you feel very lonely, and particularly as I work with with leaders um, in various parts across the country, they're lonely. It's hard. You know, uh, it's one of the reasons I think the Lord has brought us there is we just want to serve these men who are laying down their lives for the kingdom, uh, for the name of Christ. Personal and personal prayer requests, and then we're going to just jump into the scriptures. Uh, parenting, we just need grace. It's the hardest thing <laughs> we've ever done. Um, and there's some added stresses, I think, living cross-culturally, the transitory nature of, of kind of the life that we're living. That's a challenge. I mean, and then contentment, you know. Um, I think we all struggle with contentment in different ways, but it is challenging living overseas. We're lonely. Um, we struggle um, with with that. Uh, we don't have the same Christian community, you know, that, that people might have the luxury of having, depending on where you live in the States. I mean, there's are places in the States that wouldn't necessarily have a lot of believers. Uh, and then it just, you know, you don't have the same comforts. And those are minor things, um, but there's the underlying daily kind of stressors of living 
cross-culturally that are challenging. So we just want contentment in that. And we really do feel the Lord has called us there for life. I mean, we have no, no sense that we, we want to return to the States. Uh, you know, he could change that at any moment. But that's our, that's our plan. So really, the other prayer would be for us is, is citizenship. Uh, for Ireland, so they offer dual citizenship, and then we're going to pursue citizenship, and then that we would we wouldn't have any visa issues. We had a visa scare in December; they de- denied our visa renewal. Uh, but the Lord is good, and He turns the hearts of kings, and uh, and He did that for us, and so He He renewed our visas in February. Uh, so we have a, 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 an annual renewal of our visa. So uh, we we would love to be citizens, and and you know it would be it would be a dream to go through the airport in Ireland. You know, with your Irish passport, no questions asked, and have every right uh, to to be in that country. So, uh, but we trust the Lord. You know, uh, regardless. Uh, one of the one of the ways that we pour in uh, to leaders and emerging leaders, and really even each other as as a as a as a, as a team. We have a small team there, and, and even as as a couple. As we, as we pour into each other, we pour the gospel into each other. So often we see, if we're not careful, the, the gospel as this one-time thing that we need at conversion, and then we need something else later. But ultimately, we need the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ every moment. Uh, and so uh, I need that from you. I need that from my wife. I need that from others. And so uh, I just want to look into the scriptures together uh, this evening. And so if we could turn to, to, to Galatians, what, what time do I have till? Because we, we start a little late. Do I, should I end at 8? Just tell, 8 o'clock. Okay. And so turn to Galatians 3. Imagine you've got a man walking along a narrow path, not paying much attention where he was going, and suddenly he slips over the edge of a cliff. And as he fell, he grabs this branch that's growing from the side of the cliff. And realizing he's not going to be able to hang on much longer, he calls for help. And so he's looking up and he's just hoping, is anybody up there? And he hears this voice, yes, I'm here. And he says, who is that? He says, it's the Lord. And he's like, Lord, help me. And, and the Lord says, well, do you trust me? And the man says, I trust you completely, Lord. And the Lord says, let go of the branch. And the man's like, what? And the Lord says, let go of the branch. After a long pause, the man says, is anybody else up there? And so often we say that we depend fully on the Lord. And yet often we start to waver and we start to depend on other things. And that's exactly as you look at Galatians. That's why Paul wrote Galatians. He was astonished, is the word he uses in chapter 1, that they were so quickly turning from the true gospel and starting to depend on other things. Other things that would really do nothing for them, particularly as you compare it to the good news of Christ. And then in chapter 3, there in verse 1, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, strong language, he's calling them fools. 
you, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so Paul here is continuing this rebuke of the Galatians that they were depending on something They were depending on a work. And the work they were depending on was circumcision. The Jews, the Judaizers were saying to them, you need to be circumcised as a part of your faith. And Paul is saying, no, you do not. That is foolish. That is foolish to think that you would need that. And if you, if you really want to see why, just look, look up the end of chapter two there at 21. Why were, why was he being so, so strong in his language. Well, he says in verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And so they were acting like, with their actions, they were acting like Christ died for no purpose. For the Apostle Paul, that was a big deal. That should be a big deal to us. When someone is adding something to the gospel, adding something to Christ is no gospel at all. And that's why Paul is making this big deal here. He says there in chapter 3, I'll just read it again, verse 2, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? When you came to Christ, he's saying, is that because you did something? Because you worked hard? Because you were circumcised? Because you said the right prayer? It's like, no. It was hearing with faith. And so it was faith that brought them to Christ. And then the next question he asks, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And this is what I just want to explore briefly with you. Is this idea sometimes that we think Even in our minds, we know, we believe that we come to Christ through faith. And yet sometimes we think that we continue by works. And you might think to yourself, I don't ever do that. And yet we do. We would never say that. We would never use those words. But practically speaking, in the way that we live, the application of these truths show that. We are actually thinking we continue in our walk by works. That we grow by works. So I just want to explore a little bit about the power of the cross. The power of the cross in our Christian growth. How do we grow as a Christian? How do we grow as a Christian? Often our view of growing, start of my Christian life, I've got a lot of sin and a little bit of holiness. And then I move forward with passage of time. I gain some holiness. My sin diminishes. And then 
Later, after long years as a believer, I've got much holiness and less sin. So when you think about maturing in Christ, and when we look at this particular diagram, how do I get from here to here? How do I gain? How, how does my life look more holy? What are, so this is the interactive part. Tell me. How, do, how, how, do, how does less sin happen in my life? What are the things that move me in that direction? Sorry? Reading his word. Absolutely. What else? Obeying. Is that what I hear? Yeah. Not just reading it, but actually obeying it. Yeah. Because I can read something very easily. For anything like me, yeah, I have trouble obeying. What else? I'm sorry? Conviction. Being convicted. Having conviction or actually, or I think both. So being convicted of sin, but then actually sticking to my convictions, as it were, my my biblical convictions. What about, you know, you struggle with a sin. What do you do when you struggle with a sin? You read the word. What else? Pray. Pray. Yeah, ask the Lord for victory. Anything else? Yeah, absolutely. So not just a head ascent to this, but actually a, a life ascent. I, I affirm all this. We read, we pray, we fellowship, we have accountability, we talk to people. I affirm all that. Many of these things that we just mentioned are the means of God's grace in our lives to shape us. The scripture teaches this. Pray continually in 1 Thessalonians 5. Study to show yourself approved in 2 Timothy 2. Do not neglect meeting together. Hebrews 10. Encourage to see you on a Wednesday night. Praise God for that. Hold fast to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. 2 Timothy 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Romans 12. These are good and helpful things. But I suggest that these things are not an end to themselves. We don't just pray to pray. And we don't just study the word to study the word. If that's our desire, that's not going to grow us. Some people get amnesia. right? Some people suffer from something terrible like Alzheimer's. uh, And that's devastating. I can't imagine losing the memories of your loved ones and your experiences and your shared experiences, potentially with your spouse. It'd be deeply troubling. What's more of a tragedy, though, is spiritual amnesia. Forgetting, forgetting how we actually were saved and how we actually grow. Again, in Galatians 3, did you receive the Holy Spirit 
by obeying the law of Moses? Is a different translation. Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. We forget how we began the race. So, I learned to sail at camp. I'm not sure if I'm a good sailor or not. Uh, Valerie was a better sailor, and she continued that in university and sailed for University, university of South Florida. And then early on in our marriage, we, we uh, were given a couple Hobie cats, a 14-foot and a 16-foot. It was super fun. Uh, it, was a, it was a huge blessing to us because we love the water, we love the beach, and particularly Valerie loves to sail. Uh, and it, and it's, it's exciting to be able uh, to, uh, to take a boat out on the water. It feels like a lifetime ago, but we've got pictures. So there's us and Shane. Uh, when he was, that's you Shane, when you were like two, uh, with, with one of our Hobie cats. Where does the power come from in a sailboat? Say it Dave. I heard, I saw you mouth it. What is it? Where does the power come from? The wind! The wind is where the power comes from in a sailboat. If I were middle, in the middle of the Irish Sea, I'd be cold, for one. If I wasn't dressed properly. And I was doing all the right things on the sailboat. I was trimming the sail and adjusting the jib, setting my angle right, making sure my rudders were all the way down. But I have no wind. I'm going nowhere. I've been in windless waters. On Lake Harris, many times I've been on windless waters. You don't go anywhere. You just don't go anywhere. You can be doing all the right things. It's off on the sailing trip. You have either windless or you have too much wind, and it's a near-death experience. Um, but if you have no wind, you're stuck. If we move back to Christian maturity. We often want to mature out of hard work and performance. We'll call that grit. I want to get down and dirty. We want to do things to control our maturity. We will work hard, right? Grit leads, though, if we just call it grit, it leads, instead of, mat- to, instead of maturity, it leads to self-righteousness, if we're not careful. I got this. I'm going to do this. I own my maturity, so I'm awesome. I pray all the time. I read through my whole Bible twice a year. I'm at every chapel meeting. And I volunteer for everything I possibly can. I sing loud, even if I don't sing well, because I am making a joyful noise unto the Lord. I give 20% of my income to the church, and that is before taxes, and I am cheerful about it. That doesn't sound very mature, does it? Not when we say it like that. In fact, I've just become my own functional savior. And if you notice, all those statements begin with, I, I, I. This also leads, this idea, this mentality, can lead to having to hide my true self. And I tend to be dishonest about my sin because of that. I need to perform. I need to perform. Uh, Earlier in Galatians, Paul recalls the moment uh, when he rebuked Peter because he refused to eat with the Gentiles. And he was rebuking him 
um, clearly and I'm going to say harshly, but that wouldn't be that probably wouldn't be Paul, but but uh, but well, clearly and well, because it was a gospel issue. It was a gospel issue. It was making it like they weren't good enough, they weren't performing well enough because they were Gentiles. They weren't circumcised. I'm not going to eat with them. Paul took big issue with that. And we should take big issue with that. Are we just performing something? Is it just a performance? What powers a sailboat? The wind powers the sailboat. The more wind, the more power. It's an exhilarating experience to be in a sailboat that has a lot of wind. You get sore, you're holding, you're holding the tiller and you're, you're, you know, your, your arm's getting sore and you're zooming through the water and if you're not careful and there's too much wind, you capsize and it's super fun. It's fun when there's lots of wind. Just like wind powers a sailboat, grace, grace that flows through the Spirit of God powers the maturity of a Christian. Grace through faith Because grace changes everything. If I am doing, doing, doing without power, right? If I am just doing without the power, I should say, I'm not moving forward. I can be going through the motions of a Christian life and not growing at all because I'm depending on those motions. Just like I can be doing all the right things on a sailboat, but if I'm not depending on the wind to take me somewhere, I'm not going anywhere. And that's true in our Christian life. So real quick, I'm just going to articulate a little bit of a different model of Christian maturity. We use models all the time, charts. Again, just things to help us understand, you know, uh, to really understand the scriptures. And so... Before Christ, the top here, God's holiness is veiled to me. I see glimmers of it in creation. Down here, the depth of my sin is veiled to me. I know, you know, um, right, wrong, I have a conscience that's God-given. But I'm in darkness without Christ. And then conversion happens. Conversion is really when I see that the cross, what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me on the cross, his perfect life, his death and his resurrection, it's bridged the gap. We've used that bridge model even for sharing the gospel. You've heard of that, I'm sure. It bridges the gap between my sin and his holiness. And so suddenly light is there. And so as I move through life, this is time. As I move through life, the cross really should loom larger. That's, Christ, that's Christian growth. That's Christian growth. The, the cross is looming larger. What I do does not make me more holy. It's what I believe that makes me more holy. And what I believe changes what I do. So if we somehow think that what I do makes the cross bigger, that's misunderstanding the gospel. So often, that's what we want. We want this understanding of God's holiness, a growing awareness. God doesn't get more holy. He's perfectly holy now. My awareness of it changes through life. And so I start to see God more and more as this perfect, holy, majestic being that He is that's so different and unique than I am. 
But I also started to see my sinfulness, a growing awareness of my sin. Remember the model where my sin got less? And there is a truth to that. I should be sinning less, right, as time goes on in my Christian life. But the reality is I should be more aware that I'm more sinful than I ever imagined. You ever have those moments where you, you, you do something and you'd be like, I can't believe I did that. Well, why not? Why, why, why can't you believe you lied or, or, or you said that or you had that thought? Why, why do we think that? We are sinful beings and it was a, apart from Christ, right? We're the worst of the worst in our hearts. And so as time goes on, the cross should loom all the larger. Um, and so my encouragement to you in the next one minute that I have that's going to take me three minutes over, uh, uh, we tend to do this. We shrink the cross, and I'll, I'll just be real quick because I want to respect your time. It's what the Galatians were doing. They were trying to perform here. So my performance, I do, I try harder, I boast. They wanted, they were being told they needed to be circumcised. That's performance. You need to look the right way. You need to look like a God follower. And this is how you look like one. You do this. It's performance. The problem with performance is it yanks God off his throne or you try to. It's not possible. But we try to. We try to yank him off his throne. And we try to say, God, I can, I can be a little closer to you in your holiness because I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read my Bible more. Those are great things. But they don't give you holiness. Those things are designed by God to show us the one who is holy. They're not the things that bring us holiness. It's the one who is holy, the Lord Jesus Christ, that brings us holiness. And it's his word and prayer and being together that show us more of him. The other thing I I, I tend to do with my sin is I'm dishonest about it. Or or the thing that shrinks the cross is I'm dishonest about my sin. I ignore it. I minimize it. I rename it. I deny that I ever did anything. I make excuses. Or the one that we're all very good at is I blame shift. She made me do it. He made me do it. You're making me angry. It's not possible. I tell my children that all the time. They, you can't, nobody makes you angry. You choose to be angry. <laughs> they might be tempting you towards anger, but they can't make you angry. I blame shift. That shrinks our, our maturity because maturity is seeing the cross of Christ as more beautiful than you ever saw it before. Right? Maturity as a Christian is in a person of the Lord Jesus Christ, not in a work. It's not in a work. And so my encouragement to you is the same as the encouragement that Paul gave to the Galatians. When he asked that question, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And so if you're struggling tonight with a particular sin or an attitude, unbelief of some kind, I urge you, search the Scripture. Talk to the Lord. Meet together with believers. Those are good things. But those things are designed to show you Jesus. 
And that's what Paul, he was pointing them back. It's foolish to cling to anything else. It's foolishness to cling to anything but the Lord Jesus Christ. For salvation, but also for my growth. And none of us want to be foolish. We want to be wise and discerning. We want to be Christ-like. So be encouraged. Be encouraged this evening that you have a Savior who has rescued you from the pit of despair, the pit of hell. And he has given you freedom. My favorite verse in all the Bible is Galatians 5. It's for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Why would we put ourselves under works? That's slavery when we are free in Christ. That's why we're in Ireland. Because the unbeliever needs to hear that, but the believer needs to hear that. I need to hear that all the time. I'll close with this. Just our, one of our, our, our pastors there in Kentucky, he, uh, I don't think he coined this phrase, but he, he uses the word gospel as a verb. It's like gospel each other. Preach the gospel to yourself. And preach it to each other. N- not for the sense that you need to be saved again, but because it's good news that is the power behind your growth. And so gospel each other. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in this amazing news that is so good. That the Lord Jesus Christ loves us, died for us, was raised again and conquered sin and death. God, I pray that that would be the heartbeat of our lives. That we would not put ourselves back under slavery to perform for you. When Christ has set us free, so God, forgive us when we look to things other than the cross for anything connected to our growth. Because that is the power. So we worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. You are worthy of our praise, of our adoration, of our prayers, of our devotion, of our very lives. Thank you for this body of believers who's faithful, who means so much to me and my family. Bless their efforts here in South Florida to proclaim the good news of Christ. Bless their efforts to raise uh, their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Would would you save many God through this body? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.